0: what does it take to become an elite 40k player how do the top competitors overcome bad dice the competitive 40k network presents art of war unbroken insight into the game plans of
1: the top players on the planet with your hosts blake law and the art of war coaches Hello and welcome to Art of War Unbroken. This is episode 5 and we are very glad you're here to join us. Champions may lose, but their spirits remain unbroken. People, it is officially summertime. There's no laws because we're all out here drinking claws. And the Alamo GT happened this weekend down in San Antonio. And that is the source of our episode today. We're bringing on a person who played in the Alamo this weekend. They went 4-0. They lost one game technically because they had to sit out due to being a little sick. They set out game four, came back game five, super strong, won the game. And we're going to dive in really deep this episode, kind of talk about the tactics they used during that win, and just talk about their tournament in general, and really the mindset of how to win your way, how to go into an event and just really manifest an unbroken spirit, you know, just dig in deep and and win despite losing. So in part one, that's really what we're going to go into. We're going to talk about the win he had versus Death Guard in round five. We're going to talk about a secondary choices, his target priority. All the things we talk about traditionally in our Art of War Unbroken episodes. And then in part two, we're going to kind of do the same thing we do in our other episodes. We're going to talk about list building. We're going to talk about his strategies. And we're going to talk about just the elite player mindset and how to just, you know, win games. So my co-host today is someone who pretty much everyone already knows. Some people call Nick Nanavati the Tom Brady of 40K. My co-host today is often referred to as the Uncle Rico of 40K. He once threw a foosball clear over the mountainside. Now he throws models as he crushes opponents and their spirits on the tabletop. He's won a lot of events. We don't need to go through all of them again. He's having a heck of an ITC season so far this year. He is the slayer of chaos. He stares Warp dead in the eyes and says, Not today, Satan, Mr. Bradchester.
0: Yay! I love everything about being the Uncle
1: Rico of 40k <laughs> oh absolutely yeah that's just that's just your persona man
0: <laughs> i love everything about this
1: you're the champion of the bandwagon so are we gonna see some summer in this summer with admec i know what's coming i'm not gonna lie uh, i've been called out about this because i said admec wasn't my style
0: and then i was called out by sean Need. actually uh he and i he was i was like yeah it's not really my deal uh, with AdMac, and he's like, "So if somebody just gave you a fully painted AdMac army, you wouldn't completely run with that." I'm like, "A thousand percent, I would. I just don't own any AdMac." <laughs> oh
1: yeah, you're you're, you're an AdMac player now. We all know it. It's yeah. happening. It's a done, It's a done deal. <laughs> all summer, you will see Bradchester endorsing the AdMac.
0: I'm, I'm super down. Again, <laughs> I got. I've always got my my no loyalty hat ready to go. I will. I will abandon any faction at a moment's notice for a
1: different yeah. faction. Our guest today. Is a player who's been involved in the game since two thousand two. He is a forty k hobby extraordinaire. He finished top ten several years ago in the ITC hobby track. He won best painted at Clutch City GT this year. Best sportsman Alamo GT twenty twenty. He's always in the mix of top events. You've heard his name a lot of times as a four and one, three and two kind of player. He's he's almost always win positive. You may know him from his podcast, the Long War Podcast, Mister Wyatt Turk. Yo, yeah. <laughs> what is up, guys? Well, uh, you know, on our podcast,
2: I like to start the show off with a, with a little joke. We like to do with the Would You Rather segment. So I've, I've got one for you guys, if you're up for oh, it. I'm ready.
1: Oh, I'm, 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 I'm so ready.
2: All right. Let's, so I, I, chose, I chose one that's kind of fun. I didn't want to like, hit you with anything gross or anything like that. So would you rather have a full-time chef or a full-time maid? And you have to pay them and you can't fire them. On, and it's on your like whatever your lifestyle is right now.
0: Yeah, you know. full time chef, laughably all the time. I eat like a ludicrous amount of meals uh, my whole life because I've done the the whole. I was really angry about that whole fact that I'm three feet tall. So the lifting and eating has happened from an early age. <laughs> so chef, like, <laughs> like laughably hands down. I, as I, as I chose the chef, my wife, I'm surprised they can't hear me. She would punch me in the head and just have a maid come in.
1: <laughs> is there, is there a price difference? Are we talking like, cause a full time like chef, I feel like would be more expensive. Is, is it, are we talking the same price? Or are we, is there a, I have no idea. It's like market. Okay. So it says, no, okay. No, I, I'd go with the maid for sure. Just because anyone who has ever been to my house for like 40K knows that I'm a wreck. My hobby space is a wreck. I really need some help. So that, that'd be, that's my answer 100%. Awesome. Yeah. I think I would go with
2: the maid too. Cause, I like I like cooking my own meals, and I feel like having them
1: made would just be way easier. Yeah, huge, huge life advantage for sure. Well, thanks for coming on today, Wyatt. We'll dive right into the discussion. The first thing I want to kind of talk about is just tell us about the event. Tell us about San Antonio, what the Alamo GT is all about, and kind of just like demographics of everything that went on with it.
2: Yeah, so the Alamo GT has been going on for a long time. Like I started going to it back in uh, 2012, so it's it's been going on for a long time. It's one of uh, the uh, Texas championship circuits, like kind of Keystone events. Um, and last couple of years, they've had it on the Riverwalk, uh, a nice hotel, which is super nice. If anybody awesome. um, ever makes it down to San Antonio, the Riverwalk is beautiful. It's like the big touristy thing downtown. It's um, almost across the street from the actual Alamo, which is kind of cool. Um, and uh, it's it's sort of like down home. Style 40K. Uh, the uh, TOs there do a great job. They've been doing like better and better and better each year. Um, the rewards are great. Like if you win prizes, it's a literal Texas bowie knife with your oh, prize awesome. uh, laser etched onto it. Um, and uh, almost always they do a, a bunch of raffles for a charity. So this year it was for a children's hospital that was there in San Antonio and they raised a bunch of money. So that was great. Um, And yeah, it's just one of our one of our big events here in Texas.
1: Nice. And it looks like I was just kind of looking over. It looks like there were 123 players. That's a freaking massive uh, tournament in in regards to COVID. Just kind of uh, you know lifting restrictions. You
0: guys have already. This is your third major, correct? For the year,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: You guys weren't fucking around. So, (laughs) Um, yeah. I mean, you know, people have
2: contentious feelings on it, obviously, but we've done our best to. Uh, follow all guidelines and restrictions. And um, everybody has been, uh, on top of being a good sportsman, they've they have followed the rules and everything like that. And um, kind of a weird Venn diagram is that like almost everybody who plays on the circuit is also in some form of line of work that allows them to already be vaccinated. Or um, I think right now in Texas, you can just kind of walk up to anywhere that is giving them out and and get it. So I think almost everybody is fully vaccinated already. And, you know, we're still doing uh, masks and distancing and all that stuff. And it's kind of funny that uh, the social distancing stuff, it actually leads to more comfortable tournaments because every table is an island, which is something we've wanted for a long time. Like we all love SoCal because I'm not going to lie.
0: That's the one good thing about everything that happened with COVID is I don't have to be standing on top of another person oh, exactly. during tournaments. It's, it is so much
1: better with that. Yeah, it's great. Um, yeah, Iron Halo yeah. was awesome last year for the same reason, man. Yeah, you just got like so much space going on. It's amazing. So yeah, it's been uh, it's been going great. Can you tell us a little bit just about um, the terrain and like because uh, that's that's one of the big questions we have for people when they come on. You know, what was the layout like? Because we all know that. 40K hasn't really universalized, you know, a good setup yet. So
2: yeah, so uh, David uh, David Villarreal, our our TO there, he he always goes super hard in the paint for uh, the Alamo GT. In the last couple of years, we've actually gotten custom MDF Alamos that are part of the terrain. And so this year, he added even more. So we have the Alamo, which is a big piece of terrain they put diagonally in the center, and then they had the Alamedium, which is like a medium-sized ruin with three walls. <laughs> And the ala micro and every player got an ala micro and it's about the size of a like a defense line maybe like four inches wide by two inches tall and two inches deep and one of the cool things they were doing this year is that there was uh two ala micros already on the table and each player could put their own ala micro on the table somewhere as long as it was three inches away from any other piece of terrain so that kind of added a little bit of strategy um as far as the layout was concerned, they were all very uh, balanced for the mission types. Uh, no deployment zone was like worse than the other. Uh, there was no like huge lanes across the table for people to kind of like gunline people off. You know, uh, so there was good line of sight blocking. There was dense terrain. Did you guys um,
0: adjust uh, per mission, or was it set and just already had been set up to take into account all of the deployment zones?
2: Uh, if I remember right on the first day they were set for the missions and then there was a little bit of change for the missions on the second day. And one of the things they did is that because we have the Alamo in the middle of the board, um, to make it fair for both players, regardless of deployment zone, none of the missions had uh, a central objective. So that was another aspect of list building and strategy is that there was never going to be an objective in the middle of the board. Oh,
1: that's interesting that yeah that definitely changes the way you're gonna build your list especially as a, as a death guard player.
0: Yeah, it changes play also though because you're not taking domination you're not doubling down on uh the assault I, direct I, to salt. Direct, I would say direct to salt yep. you know yep. the one that I say take take the middle for three uh because because <laughs> for some unknown reasons I can't remember mission secondaries
2: yeah all of a sudden owes a moment becomes not as free uh, which was pretty nice. Um, there was also a uh, one thing that they've been doing past couple of years is they have a written-in secondary called Remember the Alamo, and that uh, can only be maxed if you get tabled. So it's based off how many uh, units from your army list are destroyed by the end of the game. So uh, that actually helps some people. So if you get like a real slacking, that can get you some extra points or maybe even push it over the edge if you've been playing a real tactical game and you end up getting tabled at uh, like round four, round five, like that 15 for getting tabled might push you over by a couple of points.
1: That's pretty, I, I love how thematic they went with all of it. Like the terrain and like the secondary, that's, that's pretty awesome actually. And it's uh, it all kind of ties into San Antonio and that's, that's awesome. Oh yeah. It's a great event. So the next, next thing I'd like to kind of dive into. So we, we talked about at the beginning, how you, you went four and oh in a five game event. So technically four and, Four and one, but you didn't lose a game. Can you kind of dive into? I'll I'll ride that undefeated train as long as they let me. (laughs) Yeah, if you could just kind of kind of give us a rundown on what happened with um, you know just the loss you took, I guess. Yeah,
2: so um, I'm sure many people have had the same thing where sometimes uh, a number of factors build up and you're just exhausted at the end of the first the first day of play, right and Um, Be it maybe like you party too hard or didn't get any good sleep or any any number of factors. Sometimes you're just like, I'm I'm either going to drop or I'm going to skip a game. And um, that just kind of happened with me. Like I have a number of physical disabilities from my time in the army. And uh, on top of that, a number of factors with the hotel and my sleep situation just led me to be really tired at the start of day one. And then after a full day of play, uh, I was just exhausted and I needed that extra sleep. So I just decided to sleep in and miss game four, or else I was gonna end up, you know, pushing myself too hard and I would have had to drop. So I was like, I'll take the I'll take the L in round four and come back strong in round five.
1: When I when I heard this story, I was like, we have to bring Wyden on for this episode. Like this, there's no questions asked. Let's get him do what we need to do to get him on this episode. Because in my opinion, this is like one of the big reasons that this podcast is important to me because it's like, what does Unbroken mean? You know? And I think that's the big thing. Like just that mentality of, you know, I'm taking care of my business, but I'm still going to win. Like you came back to game five and you won it. And I mean, I think that's awesome. Like, that's exactly what I feel like we encompass with what we want to do on this podcast. So.
0: Thanks man. And, and the thing about it is, is I think it's just a smart move as, as somebody that is a thousand years old and has a lot of health problems, I going tournament fatigue is a real thing, man. So like I have to, and as somebody who occasionally imbibes in the wine, I have to figure out <laughs> how I'm going to roll through, especially these longer tournaments. You're talking oh, you know, yeah. five to eight games. You have to literally uh, figure out what's important. You know what I mean? And your house always way more important than winning a game of toy soldiers. So I want to have a good time. I want to win, but I also don't want to be wrecked coming from it. So there's a lot to be said for that. I actually choose army types and different things based on, on that too. You know what I mean? Am I going to be able to move 250 models all weekend with no help? Mm, I need, I need a, I need my assistant.
2: I'm sure you remember, uh, round four of Adepticon. The last one we had where you and I played Brad, oh,
0: yeah.
2: uh, both of us were kind of hurting after that one. That was, that was four rounds in a day is hard.
0: That's, that's where we were at the end of the thing going, can we just say my models are over there and just move on? Oh, yeah. with our
1: life? Yeah. <laughs> and we touched on it a lot of times in previous episodes with our other guests, you know, but there, there's a lot to be said for just taking care of yourself going into an event. Cause especially we talked about with Dallas open had eight games or something like that. Like, Eight games is brutal. Um, I was, you just don't I was realize.
2: Yep. Uh, I, I played all of them. Uh, and no lie, there was a number of games that I like basically threw just because I was like, I need I need to go lay down. You know, I was like, hey, man, I'll play as many rounds of toy soldiers as you want to play to have a good time. But I'm going to give you this game so I can I can go have a Gatorade in
0: my room and it, it, it's funny yeah. you say that because i was just asked that today a couple of guys were asking me what what events we're i'm going to for the rest of the season you know where where do you usually stay do you, you always make sure you stay at the event and i go well the price to me is totally worth it to stay at always at the uh whatever is the the hotel that's attached to whatever your event is because man getting that between game drink, lay down, do whatever goes a long way to having a good time, man. It's like a big difference between having a great weekend and having a shit weekend because you never got a chance to just chill. You know what I mean? Jump back in the shower or do whatever.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. agree on that. You just don't think about like all that goes into, you know, thinking about from start to finish, like, all right, I'm going in. My plan is actually, let's say your plan is to win a major, you know, you're, you're Brad Chester and you go and say, Oh, I'm coming in first place in this major. A lot of that planning starts with "All right, How am I getting from the airport to the hotel? Like, what am I doing between game four and five? What am I, you know, there's, there's a lot more to it than than Dude, game plan. I, 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 I literally have a you know?
0: huge game plan for that. I'm not going to lie. Oh, for
2: sure. Like, um, I mean, my, my situation is different than, than most people probably. Uh, and I, I go heavy in the planning phase for that type of stuff. Um, and I have, I have little things that I do, like um even before Covid, I would buy like two or three bottles of of like hand sanitizer, and I'd go through all of them at an event just to stave off the con crud, right? even now it's, it's way more important. So definitely keep doing that. Um, things like vitamin C tablets or or chewables or or you know pill supplements, whatever you know floats your boat. Um, I bring those to every event cause you know, it can't be understated how much that helps and, um, just like staying hydrated. Like most people don't realize, uh, how that is, like how, how important that is. And I, I know it's really cliche, like drink more water, like that kind of thing. Right. But yeah, it's really important, especially if you're, if you're boozing and all that type of stuff, you need to be having like the same or more liquid intake of water as you do of beer, or alcohol, or you're going to be hurt. <laughs> so it's, it's really yeah. important.
1: That's, that's it. Those are all great points, man. And um, I'm, glad, uh, I'm glad we touched on all that. Um, what I'd like to go through here is traditionally, you know, we talk about, you know, what game did you lose? But for you, you didn't lose one. So I think what I want to focus on is what happened when you came back to game five. Let's talk about that matchup and all the things you felt like you did right or maybe even wrong. Because you end up playing, I think you played Goat Boy round five, and it was actually a mirror match of Death Guard and Death Guard. So. Oh yeah, that hot Death Guard on Death Guard action.
0: <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about what your a couple of these list choices though, real quick, just what they what they were for you. We'll we'll get oh for sure. sure yeah, and we'll get we'll uh, kind of deep dive more on them um, on the uh, the second part, which is what we really mm-hmm. we go deep on it. But just you brought the the double companies. Why why each company?
1: Before we go any deeper, actually, you don't know, you want to just lay down like. Just go through your list, and then we'll kind of touch on that. Yeah,
2: yeah, sure. Uh, so, Linchpin is Mortarion. Uh, you know, Mortarion's not optimal, but, you know, he he does what he do. Uh, and I do well with him. He's super fun, and he's my favorite Death Guard model. So, I won't play Death Guard without Morty. Um, and then I have a Patrol that is the Inexorable. Uh, i got a Malignant Playcaster. He's got uh, Ferret... Blight Warlord Trait, that's the inexorable one. Uh he's got Cursed Leper and Miasma Pestilence as his psychic powers. And then I got five plague marines rolling around in a rhino. Super cool. Uh foul blight spawn. And then I have two of the greater uh blight drones. And those are the uh the forge world guys. They have some some guns on them, pretty cool. Two plague brisk crawlers, and then I've got uh the Vanguard with Lord of Contagion and three units of Death Stroud. So 10 Death Shroud hanging out with Morty.
1: Yeah, I like the list a lot. and I think what's really cool is you took some choices that we don't typically see, like the Rhino with the, um, the troops, the, the Plague Marines there, and the the Greater Blight Drones, which I'm sure Brad is just chomping at the bit to talk to you about. Brad, yeah. you got anything on that list? Well,
2: back to his his main question, why the two of them? So the Inexorable is my favorite one. Um, mostly for its rules. Uh, Ferric Blight is a great Warlord trait that you can uh, flash Outbreak onto different units. just gives uh, your army better AP when shooting at enemies within that contagion. So it's really cool. And then their Stratagem uh, allows you to give a negative 2 modifier to people that try to charge you in the charge phase. And that can stack up really um, great as sort of a like a stopgap when somebody's trying to charge in, especially if they're going through terrain, it's already a negative two or something like that. It's it's like great for stopping that type of stuff. And then uh, more Tyrion's full, uh basically just for allowing the Death Shroud to heroically intervene with the stratagem.
0: So strong on that. I really love the minus two to charge. Also catches people off guard. Uh, a lot of people try to shoot those. Deep strike charges off of you know reinforcement charges and stuff like that, it almost completely shuts that down. And that you're like, go ahead and make your 11 inch charge, even if you have mm-hmm. a reroll <laughs> and enjoy it, we'll see if you make it. And yeah. it also gives you, and then you've got the Mortarian Sample, which gives you access to Gloaming Bloat, of course, which is just very, very strong.
1: <clears throat> Glowing Bloat that's the um minus movement, right? The half movement. Gloaming bloat, no um, Morty, yeah. No, no benefits oh, from rerolls. Yeah. Brad, you gotta use your uh, use your classic describe what it is strategy and thing. That 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 makes a lot of sense <laughs> to it's, it's,
0: Oh sorry. I, I, I know like seven different things, actual names. What I typically do is, you know, the minus one, the no re-roll, whatever. <laughs> I actually I, I've said this before. I actually hate when somebody gives me the actual names of things. Oh yeah. I'm like So what is that? Oh, minus one? Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I got it.
2: Especially the the Death Guard stuff. It all sounds the same. It's all some like, gross this,
1: gross that, plague stuff. I'm like, man, I can't remember it. Well, you uh, want to lay down uh, Goat Boy's list for us here, Mr. Thomas Reddy's list uh, in your mirror matchup?
2: Yeah, I got it right here. So he was doing some, you know, some typical Goat Boy wackiness, which we all like. Um, He was also had a... Uh, detachment with the Inexorable. We've got Death Guard Demon Prince with Curse of the Leper, uh, Rotten Constitution Warlord trait. He's got Wings, he's got Talons, and then he's got the Separating Plate Relic, and that's his Warlord. Also has a Malignant Plaguecaster with Miasma Pestilence and Gift of Plagues on him. I mean, he also is using the Ferric Blight Warlord trait. Then he's got the uh, the good old Chaos Leviathan Dreadnought. He's got himself a Tallyman, a uh, five-man unit of Chaos Spawn, uh, two Fetid Bloat Drones with the uh, Lawnmowers on them, and then uh, two units of three Myphitic Blight Haulers,
1: and then he had a single Plague vs. Crawler. Interesting. So he kind of went with the uh, Blight Haulers, despite the fact they got that point jump. Um, what, does the, what does the Leviathan do exactly? I know that's a, a shocking question, but <laughs> I didn't play it all in 8th edition. Pew, pew. And uh yeah, I just no literally for anyone out there who's kind of years. like me and
2: my yeah, he's got um he's got like a bunch of auto cannon shots and then the um the chaos version. Uh I don't know if the I don't know if the loyalist version can or can't, but the chaos version has um twin Volkite in his in his titties.
0: Yeah, it's got the small um, they can they can both of them can. They can both have the okay.
2: the small Volkites. Yeah, so Volkites are cool. They you know yeah. you can proc mortal wounds on sixes, that kind of thing.
1: Nice. Yeah. with Tally Man, I'm sure he's running him close by and doing all that shenanigan stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, if you want to just walk us through, so kind of what we do in this part typically as we go through, you know, what starting off with what mission did y'all play and uh, kind of go from there. Yeah. So the mission was uh, retrieval
2: mission, one, one. And uh, neither of us took the minimized losses. And I think that's because we, we both took the, the Alamo, because with this matchup, Um, it was, it was, it could go very one-sided, very fast the way that our, our list comp was, he has a ton of high strength shooting, um, and high strength combat stuff. So, uh, he could easily take out Morty and the death row and stuff like that real fast, you know, like dominoes. And then on my side, if I can maneuver well and touch all of his stuff with my guys, then I can, I can sweep those really fast. So it could, the game was on a razor's edge, so to speak. Uh, he took the engage on all fronts secondary. He also took while we stand, we fight and remember the Alamo. And then I took bring it down because of course he's got like a ton of vehicles. Couldn't get 15, but I can get 12 and that's pretty good. Uh, I also took Alamo because like I said, it's very possible he could, you know, take me out. And then I took raise banners, just, you know, it's a passive secondary and, um, with his list comp, it was really hard to choose something else, and I knew that there was at least three objectives that I would immediately be on within my first turn, so that's you know kind of a no-brainer at that situation.
0: Yeah, retrieval is uh, basically an auto-banish for me, as long as your army has the capability for it, with three in your own, basically in your zone, because you have to take two steps outside and grab them.
1: What does the secondary on this um, particular one do again? Uh, Fifteen points for having seventy-five percent or more of your army. Uh, fifty to
0: seventy-five percent is ten points, and fifty, basically under twenty-five to fifty, is five. Effectively, okay. And you 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 just divide the number of
1: units you have.
2: Yeah, it's the exact opposite <clears throat> of remember the Alamo. <laughs>
1: Um, so when you, you look up, you look across the board and you see goat boys army, what are you thinking? Like, all right, that has to die. That has to die. What's your priority going into the round?
2: Uh, priority is definitely the drones, uh, both the, the, uh, blow drones and the Myphitic blight haulers, because the haulers are great. They're one of the best units in the death guard codex. Um, they put each have a multi-melta and a missile launcher, so they're putting out two, four, six multi-melta shots every time, and then three uh, crack missiles basically every time. And um, if you fail those four up saves on Morty, like you can die real fast to multi-melta. So um, priority is you know, gimp those as fast as possible, and try to kind of accept the charge from the lawnmower drones and space things out to where either. They only touch like a single unit that I can then back away from or uh, bait him into charging in and being within the uh, sphere of influence of the foul blight spawn so that he like fights last and can't benefit from charges and that kind of thing.
1: When you, uh, when you thought about that, to kind of walk us through what your deployment process was with that. Like where did you put things to kind of feed into that plan?
2: Most of the time, I always deploy Mortarion like centrally to the deployment zone because it makes it hard to counter deploy against him, right? So uh, in this one, I only reserved one unit of Death Shroud because I'm, I'm not going for engage or anything like that. So I just need like one Death Shroud threat to maybe come into a back corner or something and then, you know, get in, get stuck in that way. And then I had the Death Shroud um, skewed to, I guess, like the south of the map, if you're looking at the map, um, and the Lord of Contagion the uh, playcaster and the foul blight spawn were all kind of clustered in there. so um, the deployment was skewed slightly because I knew that I could get to objectives very easily with the drones or the um, the other the other way with the rhino, that kind of thing or Morty can move 12 inches or he can advance and and get to one of those. so if he goes one way I can counter it or I can get away from where he uh, commits a lot of that shooting. And uh, fortunately, I was able to go first. So one of the things that Morty needs to survive in a you know high shooting environment is Miasma. It's really strong. Um, and he did have a deny. So I led out with casting that with the uh, playcaster because he was outside of denial range. So put that on Morty. And then that lets Morty use
1: his two casts for some of the better offensive spells and things like that. Before we go any further, for the newer players out there, could you kind of just mm-hmm. describe what Miasma is? I know that's a ridiculous question. It's so, so minus but, uh, one to hit. Just makes the unit yeah. minus one to hit. Perfect. Yep.
2: Yeah. Um, and then as I'm looking at the map here, just trying to remember the way that he deployed, uh, again, to kind of the south side of the map was where his uh, Plaguebrist Crawler was and the Leviathan was. And uh, a unit of haulers with a drone. And then on the north side, he had a unit of haulers and the drone. So um, on the line, you know, semi symmetrical that way. But the big threats like the Leviathan and uh, the track drones and the PBC were on the south side. So the first thing that I did was I pushed real hard with the uh, Deshroud and Morty, like right up in there, because I knew that's the threat. I have to deal with the um the dreadnought and those uh those multi-melted drones or like I'm just gonna get shot off the table.
0: Plus it's the fast army too. So
2: yeah. Um and then I pincered with the drones, just kind of getting those out there. Uh raised banners, all that kind of stuff because I knew I wasn't going to make a charge. Did a little bit of shooting with the PVCs and stuff like that. And then I was just kind of like, well my buffs are up and I did some damage. So that's cool. I think I killed one drone. That's all I did. Uh one uh one hauler, excuse me. Um, and then it was kind of off the races for him. And I was like, well, I'm going to have to soak this shooting phase before I can do anything else. Let's hope I can roll some fours.
0: So going into turn one, after your first movement phase, were you, how are you feeling about the game? And how are you feeling about your deployment as far as where everything was? After Of course. You know what I
2: mean? Yeah. So, uh, in the moment after, after my first turn, I knew I was not out of the woods. um, so i knew that no matter what if i went second or if i went first i was going to have to soak his shooting phase which is way way stronger than mine like my shooting phase is basically those two drones and two play burst crawlers and in the death guard on death guard matchup we it, you know it's like you know pool noodle fighting we don't really do that that much to, any, uh, to each other but he has way more of it so uh Basically, it was like, I know he's going to shoot at Morty. I know he's going to try to zap some uh, Death Shroud. Like, I have to make those in saves. And that's where the swinginess uh, that we kind of talked about earlier comes into play, where it's like, it could go really well for me, or it could go very, very bad for me. And this was where that was going to happen.
1: I think inevitably, when you talk about, you know, people are like, oh, Morty, blah, blah, I think that's probably where they come from. You know, Just, I mean, for the most part, he's a rock. But I mean, you can always have those moments where dice spike on you or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you don't make those invulse saves, he will die super fast.
0: And and the fact is, is that even a T8, if your opponent just rolls all four ups, you know what I mean, to wound yeah. with those, you're just stats are stats. Things happen. It's a dice rolling game. You know, you never know what's going to happen. And with a quarter of your army tied up into one guy, he needs to he needs to at least survive. He, he either needs to survive a turn, or he needs to take the entire enemy firepower for a turn, which is almost as good sometimes. And just basically going, cool, the entire rest of the army's okay? All right, good job, Morty.
2: Right, yeah. So after after that shooting phase, um, Morty got down to 12 wounds. Uh, and I think he zapped, like, one death route. I was like, whew, okay. Like, uh, we're, we're not out of the woods yet, because I still have to kill a bunch of stuff in my second turn. But, you know, I kind of weathered the storm, and I was, like, feeling good
1: about it. So your guys were basically in attack range at this point. You had Morty lined up to kind of pin, to kind of close in on that corner where the drones and the blight haulers were, and you had the Deathstrike kind of in, in tote there, uh, following up with them.
2: Right, because he had moved up to be within multi melta range. He had moved up to kind of be within, you know, um, a second assault range with the the lawnmower drone. Um, and in fact, I think he did make the charge with the lawnmower, but that was it. And he, he kind of, you know, didn't really do anything to Morty because the the math on the way that the the flesh mower works doesn't really hurt Morty all that bad. Um and so it was like ripe for okay, now I get to walk forward and charge into a whole bunch of stuff and sweep it.
1: Cool. So what what did that look like when you got up there? Did you did you pretty much uh turn two kind of this punk with that corner that you that you set out to do?
2: Yeah, so um turn two got my buffs back up. Um Pushed the other side with uh, that unit of death Shroud that was kind of hanging out over there. Um, I knew that they probably weren't going to do very much. Um, so those guys pushed uh, my drone, pushed and 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 went into charge. And then Morty was locked with this uh, this drone with like two wounds left. And then my death walked up Lord of Contagion walks up and um, I just I just charged right in there and then. In my shooting phase, I put some more wounds on the Leviathan. It, it was almost dead at that point. I deep striked the uh, other units uh, of Death Stroud kind of behind a piece of terrain, so they were obscured from from stuff. And of course, he played the inexorable strat, so I failed my charge out of deep strike. You know, uh, but they they were safe, which was which was cool. And so, in that fight phase, I picked up the lawnmower drone. I picked up those other two uh, haulers and was kind of like primed for getting stuck into the uh, Leviathan and the Plaguebrist Crawler and kind of into his character stuff. And um, his other drones were like locked in with the uh, Death Shroud and the drone. And they they, take, they took some casualties. Um, I think it took two turns to like get them all down. Um, and uh, I mean, we can keep going turn by turn if you want to, but like it kind of goes from there.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. So you... Basically, you played the primary aggressively, and I think that that came back to the very beginning when you said, "What's my game plan?" And I mean, the, the elephant in the room is Morty's on the table, so I think that is your game plan with this list. But uh, anything else that kind of contributed to you know how you went about playing the primary on this one? Yeah, I, like having having the units that I did have spread out and,
2: and doing a job was really important. Um, one of the things about this list is there's there's not a lot of models in it. Um, there's only 13 units in total and, you know, death shroud, they have to do something or they're a huge waste of points. Um, you know, I like plague Marines a lot because I think poxwalkers are dumb. Uh, and I just like having the, you know, power armor plague Marines, like in a, in a building or zooming around in transports, kind of old school style doing actions and that kind of thing. Um, so everything must be doing a job. And if they're not, then you're kind of leaving stuff on the table. And in this match specifically, um, I had to utilize the strength of this list, which was the fight phase. And if I didn't, then I was going to get shot off the table. Like I could not play an attrition game by like hanging back because if I hung back, he would just shoot me. There's no reason for him to assault me. Right. Right. So
1: I had to be hella aggressive or I was going to lose anyways. And it was still a risk. Yeah, that makes absolute sense. Um, now let's fast forward. We you talked about you know around one and two. Take us to the end of five. Kind of where were you at? Where are you at at five? Like we we know you won this game. So yeah, I mean, it, turns four and five, we were basically talking it out.
2: Um, it was kind of playing for points at that at that point. Um, one of the the reasons I really like the Lord of Contagion, uh, just in general, is because he's sh- strong. And then you put something like Rotten Constitution on him, which gives him plus one toughness, and he ignores AP one and two. So you have to hit him with AP three before he stops taking his two-up armor save. And he is a late-game monster. So even if Morty goes down, uh, he can kind of pick up the slack. And when you're kind of marching uh, down the board and you get into that corridor where you're like charging, consolidating, charging, consolidating, that's a lot of really fast movement for a slow unit. Um, and that's, that's kind of the way it went, where it's like, I'm losing Death Shroud and I'm losing wounds on Morty, but this Lord of Contagion is kind of picking up the slack and just, you know, finishing off these, these powerful units as we kind of do that, um, upward sweep from South to North. And, um, I had basically just like, I have my banners up, even if he takes one, I'm going to steal this objective because I'm chewing through all of his units Um, You know, last couple of turns, I'm going to be raising banners and getting those passive points and um, kind of rotating the battle space uh, as I chew through his units and the haulers and his uh, lawnmower drone kind of chew through mine in a a circular fashion because he didn't have enough turns left in the game to take away two more objectives from me. He was only ever going to take that one. And I was already on, you know, his deployment zone objective. By the end of turn four. So it was basically like, you know, I'm going to do this. You're going to do that. I'm going to do this. You're going to do that.
1: Like that's, it's, it's game at that point. Since this is own broken, I have to ask you the question. Was there any mistakes you felt like you made? Was there, any, even though you won, um, was there ever a moment where you're like, man, that was probably a mistake, but it didn't really matter.
2: In that one, yeah, there was, there was a couple, um, I mean, uh, there was some unit activations in a fight phase that cost me a unit of of death shroud uh because he interrupted with uh the uh lawnmower drone and like picked him up so you know that happens sometimes um and i mean like lots of everybody makes lots of little mistakes here and there like misremembering something or having to be like okay no i i told you wrong it's actually this that sort of thing but it's it's all in the how you handle it like if you're a good sport about it and uh that sort of thing it, it's not a it's not a huge deal. Like you know, what's the old saying? Like uh, the perfect game of forty k has never been played. So right, there's there's
1: always micro mistakes and every yeah. you can look back and like, oh, this little thing I did here or there, and yeah. So yeah, that, that's and cool. a
2: mistake. Like it's it's weird too because um, at least in in our community, there's not a ton of guys that play Death Guard. So it actually is kind of weird when you have to play against Death Guard because all of a sudden you're having to make these mental um, changes of like what your army does against stuff and what their army does against you because you're, you're kind of out of sorts like well you're, you're minus one toughness and, and minus one damage and then he would be doing my stuff and it's like oh actually yeah I'm, I'm also minus one toughness and minus one damage and like that sort of thing so we're having to sort of be like um, oh no like it, it's, it's not two damage it's one damage like that sort of thing kind of keeping each, each other from you know uh, thinking the wrong
1: thing Right, you're not used to that. that, That's an odd mirror match these days. Yeah. Yeah. So, any other questions you have for Wyatt, Brad?
0: So many, and that's why everyone (laughs) should stay tuned for the second part of the Unbroken podcast as we
1: delve deep. Excellent segue. Ooh. Well, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna dig real deep in there. Why Why don't you tell us a little bit about your show, the Long War Podcast? Just kind of give us a little breakdown of what that's all about.
2: Yeah. So, uh, Long War Podcasts, are you know. Primarily focused on uh, tabletop wargaming, specifically 40k, but we cover other stuff too. Also, um, kind of a variety show. I mean, we'll talk about current events uh, related to our hobbies, be it tabletop, you know, music, movies, uh, video games, that sort of thing. Um, you know, we have the hobby market watch, so you can get all of your you know weekly facts and all that stuff there as well and uh, kind of just goof around a little bit. Like, it's a lot of
1: fun. Where can, where can they find your podcast after they're, they're going to look for it?
2: Um, you know, anywhere podcasts can be found, uh, you know, uh, iTunes, uh, Spotify, YouTube, all that sort of stuff. Uh, and we also uh, live record the podcast on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash TV, all one word. Uh, and that's on Thursdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, and 7 p.m. Central and 8 p.m. Eastern. Nice.
1: Yeah, I wish we could live record, but uh, Brad, uh, we just can't do it. Yeah, it's just not uh, not going to happen with, uh, with him on this show. I'm sorry, Brad.
0: <laughs> it's not my fault. Okay, it's totally my fault. <laughs> All
1: right, yeah, check us out in part two. Like you said, we're going to discuss his strategy changes, any list changes he's thinking about uh, going into. We're going to do a little bit of coaching on how to adapt with the Army uh, between Brad and White, giving some advice on some Death Guard. Um, part two will be available for free for this episode. Future episodes will be available on the website, theartofwar40k.com. Go check out our other podcasts. We have The Art of War Classic. You have Art of War Down Under. Both fantastic shows. Be sure to subscribe to those shows. Check out every all the merchandise, the coaching we have on the website. Check out the War Room Access on Facebook. Uh, just go go on there and just explore. It's a it's a great time. And lastly, we'll have a brief Q&A at the end of part two to answer all of your questions. Uh, right now, we're starting off, so we're a little bit shaky on if we have any questions or not. So feel free to jump on there, ask us any questions, give us any feedback, uh, call me out on anything I say that's dumb. Email these things to Blake at TheArtOfWar40K.com. Thanks for listening, and make sure to check out part two
0: like what you just listened to check out art of war and the art of war down under podcast on the competitive 40k network the art of war
1: 40k.com